Amen. You are the disciple whom Jesus loved. You say, oh, I thought that was John. No, that's you. And if you'll look at the Lord's love to you that way, it'll, it'll make a difference. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2 this morning, if you would. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we'll look at a passage that is a classic. It's one of, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because it goes into a, a real description of the thought process that Jesus Christ went through when he came to this earth and what his, what his determination was, what his intention was, uh, the way that he operated all the time that he was down here on this earth until the day that, up, up until and through the day that he, that he died on the cross for our sins. Philippians chapter 2 we're going to look at the first eight verses. Let's all stand together, if you would. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you. As we read in verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I, I, I don't know the hearts of any person really in here this morning, but you do. You know what the needs are. You know, Lord, if there's uh, people that are saved, if there's people that are lost, uh, Lord, you, you, you know their spiritual condition. God, I pray that you would take the word of God as you do, as I've seen you do over and over and over again, by the Spirit of God, minister to hearts. Uh, Lord, I'm just, uh, I'm just a, a sinful human being trying to proclaim the riches of a holy, sinless God. Uh, Lord, uh, I feel so inadequate every time I get up to preach, just simply because how in the world can I properly articulate it? And the truth of the matter is I can't, but you can. And you can take feeble words and fumbling words and you can turn them around and minister to hearts. And I pray that you do that. Most of all, do that with your word, which is neither feeble nor fumbling, but is strong and true. We pray, God, that you, that you would speak to our hearts this morning as you speak to us, Father. May we be submissive to you. May we, may we live what we just sang, the fact that we love you and that you love us. And the reason why we love you is because you loved us first, and we're thankful for that. Bless this time together in your book, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, is Responding Right. Responding Right. And you say, well, why is that? Uh, well, because it's obvious that in, in the, the, the Philippian church there were some problems. Over in chapter 2, uh, he addresses 
two ladies, he, he calls them, he, he actually calls them by name, and uh, he says that, uh, he explains that they, they were having some problems, they were having some difficulties, and that uh, 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 they needed to be of the same mind. If you look with me down, even in verse, uh, even in verse 3 of the passage that we just read, it says, let nothing be done through strife, or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So there's obviously some things that were going on in the, the church at Philippi, and the Lord wanted to, to straighten those things out and to show them the, the proper mindset that they needed to have in order to, to, uh, to respond right to those situations. There, there are things that, that trigger all of us uh, that trigger our irritability, that trigger our anger. Uh, I, I, had, I had written down here, there are three things that cause people to be irritable and angry. But it's really not true. They don't cause us. We're the one that causes it. Uh, they trigger it, but, but we're, we're really the problem. And, and those three things are, are people. Uh, people, number one, uh, people, people get to us. Uh, their habits, their personality traits, their inconsistencies, their quirks. Um, you know, uh, God is constantly working on us through others. Uh, when I went to Bible college, I had one of the weirdest roommates I've ever, uh, ever seen in my entire life. I traded in that roommate for this one. I really like this one a whole lot better. <laughs> but, uh, but the, boy, I tell you what, uh, this guy was, was nuts. I was telling somebody... Tell my brother-in-law, I don't think he, he even knew it, and he was going to school with me at the time. Uh, I told him that there was one night when uh, my roommate was walking. He had, he had take, stolen a, uh, a serrated steak knife from the cafeteria and was walking around the dormitory looking for me, mumbling, I'm going to kill Dunbar. I'm going to kill Dunbar. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't find me, not, not until somebody took the knife away from him. But... Uh, but God, you, God, you know, there, there are people that, that, uh, that, that irritate us. There are people that, that cause us to, to have that anger tr triggered. Not just people, but also surroundings, uh, inconveniences, weather. Uh, it's amazing how weather can affect people, but it does. Uh, uh, your, your car or the lack thereof because it's broken down a lot. Uh, your job, your housing, whatever it might be, just your, your, your things that, that surround you. And then, of course, the last thing is yourself. Your, you know, your, own, your own weaknesses, your own health or lack thereof, your own, your own lack of abilities, your memory, and so forth. Uh, those, those, things, those things are things that, that trigger our, our anger and trigger our irritability. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says that, that the choices will either end up in strife and vainglory or love and lowliness. But the choice is ours. It's going to go one way or the other. It's going to either be, it's either going to be strife and vainglory or in other words, there's going to be some head knocking going on. There's going to be some anger that, that sprouts uh, or it's going, to be, it's going to be love and loneliness. But the, the choice is ours. And there's, there's three right responses, and we're going to look at how we come to these right responses here in just a moment. But there are three right responses. Number one, 
Whatever comes into your life, thank God for it. Because God has brought that thing into your life for a purpose. Uh, Bible says, uh, in everything give thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's not only the will of Christ Jesus that we, that we be thankful, but it's also the will of Christ Jesus that everything is in our life. And sometimes those, those very things that we, that we get angry about or that we get irritated with are specifically per, placed there by God in order to, to help us and, and to minister to us. So first of all, we need to be thankful. Second of all, we need to discover what, what caused it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes our anger and irritability comes because of us, because we've done something wrong. Uh, you know, it's, it might be a, a cause and effect type of thing because we did a wrong action, we received something wrong in return. Uh, you know, we need to be looking backwards and say, did I do anything in the past or anything in the, in, in the present that might cause this thing? Have I neglected something? Is there a, a shortcoming, you know, on my part? And, and honestly, if it's not caused by us, then we need to look at it and say, okay, God, so what's the purpose? You know, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to show me? What kind of character quality are you trying to develop in me? And then and that just leads right to the, 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 third, the third right response, which is find out what qualities God wants to develop in you. Um, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance, the Bible says, against such there is no law. Uh, those, those are things that God is constantly working in your life and in my life uh, to, to form and to develop so that we can be more like Jesus Christ. The only way that we're going to respond right, however, is by having the right mindset. And responding right requires right thinking. If you have right thinking, you'll have the right response. If you have wrong thinking, you'll have the wrong response. And if you'll look with me in verse 5, it says this, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Well, he's already said, don't let things be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And then he comes down and he says, listen, this is how you do it. You do it by having the right mindset. You do it by having the right mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And there are, are five things that Jesus Christ did that we are admonished to do as well and to learn from his mindset. What, what really it boils down to is this. You've got, you've, got, you've got Jesus Christ who became God in the flesh. I mean, he was God, but he, he came down in the flesh, took on human flesh, but he was God. Before that, he, he always has been, he always will be, and he was in heaven. He didn't have any inconveniences in heaven. There was, you know, there was no hunger in heaven. Uh, there, there was no persecution in heaven. Uh, there were, you know, there were no adverse things in heaven. And when he left heaven and came down here and took on human flesh, understand, 
he confined himself to yours and my circumstances. Uh, he, he, actually, he actually gave up some things that he had a right to. He gave those up so that you and I could have eternal life, so that our sins could be paid for. And there are five things that, that Christ yielded up to God, God the Father, five rights that he yielded up to him. And if you look with me, the first one, it says in verse 6, who, uh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. One of the things that, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave up was he gave up his wealth. He left heaven. Again, it's absolutely perfect in heaven. Uh, he, he came down and became a part of a carpenter's household. A carpenter, it was not, back in Bible times, was not a rich person. I don't know that there's a whole lot of rich ones around even today. But the point is, is that he didn't, he didn't come down into a very opulent home. He came down to a very a meager type of existence. And, and during his ministry... Uh, he, had, he had no place to put his head. He did not have a house. He did not have a home. Uh, he told one man, he says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to, to, let, where to rest his head. Um, he, did, he did not have that, that, uh, that uh, uh, blessing of being able to have a, a home to live in. And he chose that. He gave up heaven so he could take that on for you and for me. Um, what did he gain? Keep your, keep your hand here in Philippians. We're going to be here all morning, but go with me back to Psalm chapter 2. I found this verse back years ago, and, and every time I read it, it just absolutely amazes me. Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8 says, I will declare the decree the Lord hath set, said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Well, obviously that's a... That's an Old Testament reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look down in verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Well, someday he's going to take over the entire earth. He's going to rule and reign for Jerusalem for a thousand years. But it says that uh, God the Father is telling Jesus, ask of me the heathen for an inheritance. That's exactly what he got. He got the heathen. You know who that heathen is? It's you and me. <laughs> it's us. He got us for an inheritance. He had, a, he had a desire to have fellowship with heathen. And so he died on the cross, and he died for our sins, and if, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And, uh, uh, but, he, but he gave up heaven so that he could have that. Um, we became rich through, through his poverty. Again, keep your finger in Philippians, but go to 2 Corinthians. And during the missions conference, we're in this chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> Look down at verse 9. And he's talking about, talking about uh, 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 giving, and he's using uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as an example he says, I speak not by commandment, but in verse 8, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through the, his poverty might be rich. What he's saying is that Jesus Christ gave up all that wealth, Jesus Christ gave up all that opulence, Jesus Christ gave up, gave up all that luxury so he could come down on this earth. He was willing to do that for you and for me. That's the kind of love that our Savior had for us and still has for us. Second thing that he gave up, go back to, to uh, chapter 2 of Philippians and look down at verse 7. It says, but made himself no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Second thing he yielded his right up, up to was a good reputation. Now, again, remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about the King of Kings. We're talking about the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about the one who spoke the worlds into existence. And he gave up that reputation so he could come to this earth for you and for me. Uh, in heaven, he was constantly worshipped. I mean, you, you go to, uh, you go to uh, Revelation chapter 4, and it paints a picture of us of what goes on around the throne and how that the Lord is constantly worshipped in heaven. He left that to come down here. Take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And in John 1, look at verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? I, he, was, he, was in, he, he came from the wrong side of the tracks. He came from a bad part of town. Uh, he, he gave up his reputation to take on, really, a, a reputa reputation that was tainted uh, by, by where he lived. Uh, he was accused in his, in his earthly ministry. He was accused of being illegitimate. Obviously, that's because his mother was a virgin, and that the, the Lord allowed her to give birth before she ever knew a man. But people looked at that and said, oh, no, no, no. She's having a child out of wedlock. She's having a child before she's, before she's married. Um, he wasn't popular with a religious crowd. In fact, they hated him. Uh, several times before the cross, they tried to kill him, but it wasn't the right time. And so, so God the Father made sure that, that he wasn't captured and taken but uh, he was, he was, he was uh, uh, you know, he was, he was hated. He was thought little of. And, and even when he died, where he died, he died between two thieves. Uh, he was taken as a, as, a, as a malefactor. He was taken as a, a person who had, had disobeyed the law. His whole reputation was, was uh, tainted because he came to this earth. Now again, it doesn't take a thing away from who he is, but he gave that up and he allowed people to think ill of him because he loved us, because he cared for us. And he had that mind. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says this, As Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You know, the Bible says in another place that uh, in 2 Corinthians says that he became sin for us. Here it says that he, uh, he, he was made a curse for us. Why? Well, because we're cursed in order for us to have the curse taken off of us because of our sin, he became a curse for us. He was made a curse for us on Calvary's cross. And uh, uh, so his, his reputation, he was willing to give up so that we could benefit. You know, in, in likewise, we, we need to be, be willing to give up our reputation and be more concerned about his reputation than we are our own. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us that when a person gets saved, that we become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What an ambassador is is simply a representative. In other words, we're going in the stead of Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the things that we need, that that an ambassador, ambassador of a country, is concerned about is the reputation of the ones whom he represents. He's concerned about their, he's not concerned about his, he's concerned about theirs. Well, we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We should not be concerned. And, you know, this is one of the things that gives, gets us in a lot of trouble. You know, quite frankly, as, as, as human beings, we think way too much of ourselves. We really do. We really do. You know the reason why you have long, extended, sometimes even heated arguments with people when you know without a doubt in your mind that you are right? You know why you do that? Because you care more about your reputation than you do God's. And we, 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 just, we just think too much of ourselves. Jesus Christ was willing to give up his reputation so that, so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Uh, the, the cure for self-consciousness for us is, is to be conscious of what people think about God and not conscious at all about what people think about us. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why uh, we often step back from witnessing to people is because we're, we're afraid of what they'll think about us. What we ought to be is we ought to be more concerned about what do they think about God? And, and do they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? He was willing to give up his reputation for us. The next thing that he was willing to give up, look down at verse 7 again. It says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He yielded up his right to be served. Now, again, who was he? He was the creator. Does the creator deserve to be served? Absolutely. Does the creator deserve to be worshipped? Absolutely. But he was willing to give up that reputation and give up that right to be served for us. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give him his life a ransom for many. He looked for the needs of others so that he could fulfill them. And, and one of the, the ways that, that Satan tempted him on the earth, we call it the, the Mount of Temptation, uh, after he had fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, 
there were three separate temptations that Jesus that that Satan uh, put before Jesus Christ. And he was trying to get him to take to be more concerned about himself first. And even in that temptation, he refused to do that. And every time that that the devil tempted him, he just simply said, "It is written. It is written." And it is written, and he countered it with Scripture. But the, the end result was that eventually the, the angels came down and ministered to him and took care of him. He did not want to take care of himself. However, he wanted to, to, to allow God to do that, and he was willing to give up that right to be served. Uh, you know what I found? I found that God takes care of servants. If you have a certain, and that's why I, get, I, get, I always get excited about missions conferences. Because first of all, we usually bring in two or three missionaries who have a servant's heart. And the, the guys that were here, not only those guys, but I happen to know their wives. And all three of those guys have wives that are willing to serve the Lord. They don't look to be served. They look to serve. And uh, a missions conference really is about, it's not about me, it's about others. It's not about me, it's about God first and, and others second. And, uh, you know, when you, when, you have a, when you have a servant's heart and you get more concerned about the needs of others than you do your own needs, God makes sure that you are taken care of. And I've seen God do that in my life. I've seen him do it in the lives of my, of my family uh, over and over and over again. I've seen him, him do it in your life. Uh, you have no right, and I have no right, to be served. But we do have the responsibility of a servant. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it, we don't always say it out loud, but, but we, we, we think, you know, well, I deserve better than this. No, the truth of the matter is I don't even deserve this, whatever this might be. The truth is, is that what I need to have is I need to have a, a servant's heart, not the heart of a person that thinks that I have a right to be served. Um, you know, uh, we, we often, uh, and again, I, I think we all go through these, these things and these struggles. And we, and we say things like, well, what, you know, I'm taking care of everybody else. What about my needs? Well, God gives you a promise. He says in Matthew 6, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Who does the adding? God does. In other words, you go ahead and, and you seek the right things and you have a servant's heart and God makes sure that the servant is taken care of. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to, to John 13. John chapter 13. This is the account of Jesus Christ washing the feet of the disciples. And in John 13, verse 12, it says, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if I, I can't, I, I have a rough time wrapping myself around that thing. Here's the, here's the one who spoke worlds into existence, spoke the planets and spoke life into it. Just spoke. And here he is down on his hands and knees and he's washing the feet, the dirty, filthy feet 
of his disciples. And he, he's, he's, he's got a servant's heart. Now again, this is the God of the universe serving the very people that he made. And uh, if you look down in verse, verse uh, 13, it says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. He's saying, you know, you, you call me Master, you call me Lord, well, I am Lord. I am God. Uh, verse 14, If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And he's saying, listen, if, if I'm willing to do this for you, you ought to be willing to do it for one another. And notice what verse 17 says. I love this. This is a promise. It says, if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. What are these things he's talking about? Being a servant. You know what I've found? I've, I've found that I'm always happier being a servant than I am when I think that I deserve to be served. <laughs> when, I deserve to be, when I think I deserve to be served, I get disgruntled, I get irritated, I get angry, I get upset. But you know what? When I've, when I've got the, the mind and the heart of a servant and I've given up those rights, the Bible says that He'll, he'll make you happy, and, and I've seen it. I've, I've watched it happen over and over and over again. I've seen God put joy in my heart because of a servant's heart. Fourth thing that uh, he speaks about over in Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 2 is uh, down in, again in verse 7. It says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. When he was made in the likeness of man, he gave up physical comforts. Um, he, uh, you know, he had he, he he confined himself to a human body, and therefore, in in ways, he, he was always God, but he was always man uh, when he was on this earth uh, during that time of his ministry. He was total God. He was total man, and and he confined himself by being in. A human body. Uh, he had no definite housing. He had no regular salary. He uh, limited his clothing. And if you think about it, he walked everywhere. The only time I find Jesus Christ riding anywhere is through Jerusalem on a donkey. But every other time, he either took a boat, and most of the time that was in a storm, it seemed, uh, or, he, uh, he, uh, or he walked there. And uh, he gave up some comforts while he was here willingly the bible says that he fasted and he prayed he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights um he he rose early in the morning he didn't have to do that but he did he chose to do that so that he could have some personal time alone with the father um he he refused when they wanted to make him king and uh, he he shunned and gave up those comforts uh when when we give up comforts willingly and that again this is this part of what a missions conference is all about is, is just looking at yourself and saying what am i giving up so that others can get the gospel you know we the three things that we we listed and i guess we could add a fourth one that's which is supplication 
But uh, uh, surrender, sacrifice, and sin. Well, it starts with surrender, but when the surrender is, is proper and we've given up our own personal rights, then it goes down to sacrifice. What have, have we given up as individuals in order to get the gospel to others? Well, the truth is we've got a Savior who gave up everything so that we could get the gospel, so that we could have our sins forgiven. And he, he gave up comfort willingly. And when we give up comfort willingly, willingly, it teaches us how to endure hardness like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And it teaches us how to, how to be disciplined in our personal life. So even, even with that giving up and even with that relinquishing our comfort, uh, we, get, we get benefits from it. Then the last thing that he gave up, it looked down with me, if you would, to verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2. It says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What he did there was when he humbled himself, he yielded his right to make his own decisions. When he was 12 years old, his parents took him to the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, they were there for a time. They, they got separated. And then he, uh, his parents got ready to leave, and they began going down the road, and they realized that Jesus was not with them. Well, where he was, he was, he was in the temple. And, and he, was, he was teaching the scribes and the Pharisees and the, the, the lawyers and so forth. And uh, uh, his mother saw this, that he was missing, so she went back, she addressed it, and he said, Wish ye not that I am about my father's business. Well, you know what? That didn't really impress Mary much. And what the scriptures say that, that happened was he, he said, okay, and he went with her. Again, picture this, okay? A human being telling God what to do. And he says, he looks up to the very woman that he made, that he allowed life to come into, and say, yes, ma'am, <laughs> and went. I, he, he gave up the right to make his own decisions. Uh, he came over and over again, it, it tells us, in the Gospels. He came not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Well, what is that? That's giving up his right to make his own decisions. And, and uh, that's something that God wants us to do, is give up the right to make our own decisions, let God make those decisions for us. We, we ought to, our heart's desire ought to be, not my will, but thine be done. You know, when we asked you to, to uh, be in prayer this last week over Grace Purpose Missions, um, really what we're asking you to do is get a hold of the mind of God on the thing. And when you know what God wants you to do, just do it. Um, I, I, have, I have never believed in, and, and to this day do not believe in, uh, having uh, any kind of, of, of human pressure from this pulpit to people to give. Uh, but I do believe there's pressure. It doesn't come from me, and it shouldn't come from me. It should come from God. And allow God to impress things upon your heart, 
and then be sensitive to the Spirit of God as he, as he leads you through His Spirit, as He leads you through with the Word of God to do what He asks you to do. You say, yeah, but I don't want to do that. That's not the issue. The issue is what does God want? And we ought to have a surrendered will so that we do whatever it is that, that God would have us to do. You ever think of this? One of the things that, that it, when it comes to decisions... One of the things Jesus gave up is he gave up his schedule. And, and you see this all the way through Scripture. Someone comes to him and has a need, everything else gets put on hold. You know what that means? That means his schedule got put. I don't know about you, but there isn't a whole lot that gets me more agitated, irritated, and of course I never get angry, but uh, is having my schedule messed up. I don't like that. If I was planning on doing something, I want to get it done. Do you know what? Jesus Christ gave up his schedule. Now, that doesn't mean you, you know, don't use that as an excuse for being disorganized, okay? Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But if God wants to interrupt things, let him interrupt them. I, I, I'm convinced of this, that in a lot of churches, and I don't ever want to be there. I really don't. Uh, every time... Every time, uh, just about every time that uh, uh, Brother Ingalls calls me at the office, and I answer the phone, and uh, he calls the office phone, and uh, I answer and say, Freedom Baptist Church, Pastor Dunbar speaking, and I can almost tell when it's him because he says, is there really freedom at Freedom Baptist Church? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, Lord, well, and hope so if the pastor doesn't get in the way. Uh, but, but really, sometimes we, we structure things so much that if God wanted to interrupt something, we wouldn't let him. Don't be that way, okay? Be open to the Lord interrupting your schedule. And, and he does that. I mean, it's obvious. You're heading somewhere and you get a flat tire. Guess what? Your schedule's just been interrupted, you know, and you know, you think you think that thing through. Could God have prevented that? Absolutely, He could have prevented it. Absolutely, He could have stopped that thing, but He didn't. He allowed it to sneak into your into your life. Uh, why? Well, because He's got a purpose, and we we need to be surrendered uh, and and yield up our rights to make our own decisions. Uh, if you if you look if you think back about what we started this this whole message with, it had to do with right responses, and we need to we need to thank God. Our right response ought to be one to to thank God to discover what caused it, and find out what qualities that God is trying to work in us. That comes by surrendering our rights. That comes by surrendering our wealth. Who owns your pocketbook? Who owns your paycheck? Who owns the, the money that's in the bank or the money you wish was in the bank? Uh, who, who owns that? Do you own it or does God own it? Uh, who has a right to it? Who has a right to your reputation? Are you, are you more concerned about your reputation or are you more concerned about God's? Uh, when it comes to service, what's your mindset? You know, is your mindset, I want to be served in certain areas? 
Or is your mindset, listen, I just want to be a servant. I want to be a blessing. What about comforts? Are you willing to give up comforts for others? Are you willing to give up comforts so that other people can get the gospel? And then last of all, when it comes to decisions, you know, um, things do not always go the way that I planned. And uh, sometimes it's due to my lack of planning or planning properly. Oftentimes it's due to just things that are allowed to come into my life and make a huge interruption. You know, all of these things, whether it be wealth, reputation, uh, uh, being served, uh, comforts, decisions, all of these things, if we don't have the right mindset, every single one of those will cause you to get irritated when it doesn't go your way. It'll cause you to get angry when those things don't go your way. What do we need in order to have the right attitude? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I'm so thankful that that was his attitude because I'm saved today because of that. I'm saved. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm thankful for the mind that the Lord Jesus Christ had when he came to this earth. He gave up so much. And he did it for each person here. There may be someone here this morning that is here but not saved. Their sins have not yet been forgiven. They don't know for sure that if they die today, they go to heaven. I pray that you work on their heart. You know, there's, there's no pride. There's no reputation. There's no nothing it's worth dying and going to hell for all eternity for. I also pray, Lord, for those that might be here this morning that they're saved. They're holding on to some things. They might be holding on to their wealth. They might be holding on to their reputation. They might be holding on to what they believe is their right to be served or decisions to be made, schedules to be had. Father, may they see that one of the reasons why we get so irritated and we get so upset and we get so bent out of shape is because we don't have that mind that you had when you came to this earth. Uh, we love you because you first loved us. And uh, that love ought to cause us to be willing to give up our rights so that we can serve you more effectively. God, please work on this. On, on our hearts uh, during this invitation. And as you speak to our hearts, whether it's someone who's, who's lost and needs to get saved or someone saved that needs to maybe give up a right, maybe yield something to you this morning that they've been holding on to real tightly, I pray, Father, that this would be the day that decision would be made for us. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's do so with our... Heads bowed, our eyes closed.